Wow. God. There's just so many layers of how do you explain it? But when she told me the story in this voice memo, I was howling. I'd be dying inside. Dying. Hey guys, welcome to Guards of Eden. Today's episode is with a good friend of mine, Bridget. She's absolutely amazing. I can't wait for you to hear it, so I'm actually not going to give too much of a preview into what you're about to listen to. One thing you will notice after some growth and learning that the sound quality is way better on this one from just learning the process. So without further ado, here we go. Three, two, one, enjoy. Hey, Bridget. Hi. How are you? I'm good. good. I'm so excited. Oh, me too. I'm so excited. Writing your questions was the most fun because it was, um, there was so much I wanted to get to know about you. Aww. So there could be part two, I feel like, in my head. I'm like, <laughs> I could probably do like two hour podcast with Bridget, but... Let's plan it already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any all the questions I don't get to ask, I'll be like, right, remember that for next time. So we met through Digme. Yes, which, we did. Um, and the first time I met you was my hundredth in a hundredth ride. I just remember being... Uh, your energy was so, I guess, infectious, like contagious. It was just, you were so happy... People flocked towards you and that made you even more intriguing from my perspective because I was just like, everyone loves her and how have I not met her yet? Um, and then I found out, obviously, you own, you own, I don't know how to say this right, Gelateria Daniela. Everyone pronounces it wrong. I know. Don't worry, Luca. And I've got the most Italian name <laughs> ever, which is like <laughs> a cardinal sin. I can't get it right. Everyone just calls us Daniele's because yeah. it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you've got Daniele on the green and... How do you say it, the first word? Gelateria. Gelateria, right. I'll remember that next time. <laughs> but you've owned that shop since 2005, right? Yeah. I read. Um, how did that come about? So I was teaching dancing back then. Wow. Before that, I was teaching Latin dancing. And I happened to meet my now business partner, Carlo, mm-hmm. because I taught him and his wife to dance. Cool. That's how I met him. And... Uh, I was doing some work with him and we were flying back from Rome one day and we'd had this amazing ice cream in the centre of Rome. And I said to him, how come you can't get ice cream like that in England? And he said, oh, you know, there's a few people that said you can get really good gelato in London. And he said, but they're not very good. So we wrote a business plan on an Alitalia flight from Rome to London on a napkin. And then we did it. That's bloody amazing. How long, how long was that time from that flight and you having the first shop open? A year and a half. A year and a half. That's quick. Yeah. As well. I don't mess around, Luca. Yeah, no. <laughs> God, that whole story, like, once again, just backs up the point that I needed to get to know you as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. We, neither of us knew anything about opening shops, uh, making ice cream, employing staff, nothing. We basically winged it. And it is the best ice cream I've ever had, without a shadow of a doubt. And you know when you you don't want to say it to a friend if, like, it isn't the case? And I was like, so the relief that came upon me when you were like, (laughs) try some. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, oh, my God, this shit is amazing. Because that could be really awkward. It is really awkward, isn't it, when you meet someone and then they go, what do you think? And you go, "Mm." (laughs) mmm. And because it's so close to my work, that was the first thing that came to my head. I was like, that, and I was like, how the fuck have I not had this ice cream yet? (laughs) 
We oh, still God. get people. Uh, so we've been open since 2005. Yeah. We've got a really, really big following. Great. We still have people coming into us saying, I've lived in Richmond for seven, eight years. I've never been to your shop. What? Yeah. And it's because we are so programmed as human beings. Like, for example, if you lived on, I don't know, if you lived near the station and you commuted yeah. into town, yeah. you'd probably never come down that little lane in Richmond. That's the thing. It's in People like are set in the route that they take and they just see what they want to see. Yeah. And I feel bad now because Joe loves Vonchi, so he always tries dragging me in there and I, I just don't go in there. Yeah. They're a big name. They moved yeah. onto the high street. Buggers. Buggers. They're buggers. Um, and they've actually increased our sales. Really? Yeah. Love that. Richmond people are very loyal. They don't yeah. like people moving into their patch, yeah. and they certainly don't like a massive company coming over and trying to, you know, put a stake in the ground. Yeah. They get really annoyed. And so they all came flooding to us and said, we're not going there, and they, <laughs> we're going to tell all our friends not to go there. Yeah. And oh, People God. are very loyal. Yeah, good, good. So I'm happy and, about that. And, you know, you're getting great ice cream when they go to you. So it's, it's, yeah. not, like you, it's not like you've got a trade-off quality. It's like, no, 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 no the, the ice cream's amazing. So, so when you introduce yourself, because mm. I kind of thought of you as like, you, do all, you wear all these different hats, which I'll kind of try and get to, get to as much as possible. Mm. But when someone, when, you, when someone goes, Bridget, what do you do for a living? What do you say to people? I never know what to say, Luca, because I really hate that question. I, I do feel bad, but people ask, right? Yeah, no, like, it's a valid yeah. question. But what I hate when people ask that question, it's usually in a really unnatural environment. Of course. So, you know, people will ask you when you're at a function or you're... So what do you do? And I find it just... I don't know, it's just such an, it's such an odd thing to ask someone. Yeah. Because they don't generally care what you do. No. They're just ticking a box, <laughs> right? And my friend... Um, when she gets asked what she does, she tells everyone she's a tax planner because no one ever asks her any question after that. <laughs> and I think that's great. Yeah. Like she says, oh, I'm a tax planner. And then there's a deadly silence. And, yeah. and then they move on to the yeah. next question. <laughs> Whereas if I say I own an ice cream and chocolate company, oh, which I, invariably I do say that, yeah. first thing people says, the first thing that someone will say to me is, oh, my God, that is such a cool job. Yeah. And, yeah, I own an ice cream and chocolate company, but it's kind of not what I want to be known for. Yeah. Because then there's, if people say, oh, which company? And I say, Daniele. Yep. And they know it. It's then a bit, I find it a bit awkward. Yeah, of course. Because I'm proud of it. Yeah. But then they start telling me, oh, this is my favourite flavour and this is my son's favourite flavour. And, and that's really nice to hear. But I'm kind of more than someone that's got an ice cream and chocolate shop. Oh, Working for the body coach. Yeah, I it's bet you get... the exact same. Oh, so annoying. So I just tell people, some, sometimes I just say, oh, yeah, I work in social media for a fitness company. Perfect. And they just, and, and then you just kind of move on. Yeah. So but do you know the thing, the response I get every single time without shadow of a doubt? Yeah. Everyone says to me, if I say, I've got an ice cream and chocolate company, they all say, well, you don't look like you eat much chocolate and ice cream. Oh, I mean, what am I yeah. supposed to look like? Yeah, yeah. What did you expect? Willy like, Wonka? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Pillsbury Doe, brother. <laughs> like the Michelin man, hobbit, like it's wobbling your way in. It's such an odd thing to say, but it's something I'm really passionate about because it's the same thing that you've just said. Yeah. You work in a fitness company. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. What is someone supposed to look like? Yeah. 
have we got this perfect person that works in... No. No. And it's just, yeah, it's just that whole judgmental route that I don't like to go down. It's so annoying. But of course you do, I mean, add them on because I feel like you're a woman of many talents, but you do coaching work. Yep. Is one thing. Mentoring. Yep. Um, I mean, they're the two key things that come to mind, but now you're setting up your podcast, which we'll go over in a bit. Like all these different things. Like, have you ever been tempted to just tell people, I'm a life coach or I mentor people? Has that ever come across? I think the danger with telling people you're a life coach, Mm. and it's going to sound like I'm a social avoidant now, but (laughs) the problem with telling someone you're a life coach is they immediately want to tell you their problems. And that's, yeah. I mean, it's the same as a friend of mine who's a doctor. Sure. If she introduces herself at a dinner party and they say, oh, what do you do? And she says, I'm a GP. They immediately tell her their symptoms. I've had this rash. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they do. Oh, That's what no. people do. And so if I say I'm a life coach, um, people tell me their problems, which is fine. Yeah. But I might not be in the right space at the time to then talk about their problems. Yeah. So. And also that a life coach, I mean, they do deal with problems, but. It's more orientated in like goal setting. It's not therapy. Like it's not yeah, it's counseling. Not a therapy session. I work in a space of like we're pushing you forward and driving you forward. Yeah. In your in your life more than worrying about why something's happened. You yeah. know, I would consider you like a life coach as much as I would. Yeah. Owning an ice cream shop. But I don't really talk. It's only really since I've done my podcast and my IGTV that I talk about coaching. Sure. So I haven't really talked about it much before. Yeah. Um, but mainly because. I want to avoid yeah that, that which is completely understandable. So I'm now going to tell everyone that I'm a tax planner. Yeah, do it. So thanks, Sarah. Yeah, if you're yeah. listening, <laughs> I'm now copying your idea. <laughs> the one, uh, the one commonality that I get from, you know, they may seem like completely different fields in terms of coaching and owning an ice cream and chocolate shop, but it's like bringing joy to someone's life. Yeah. In terms of, I'm not saying oh, you know, people that eat chocolate that makes them happy, but like you'll get it like you know valentine's day and yep. gifts for like partners and you know gifts for family that idea of like providing joy for someone and you get that from coaching in terms of taking them on a journey and you've mm-hmm. just interviewed joe and the the amazing journey she's been on is that always been a part of who you are yeah i think you've raised a really interesting point because i think i fell into coaching a little bit by accident sure but i actually think deep down i was drawn to it yeah um I really love that, I don't know, I love, sparking joy sounds like an odd thing to say, but I, I'm i driven to connect with people. I'm driven to help people get the most out of themselves, really, mm. and, you know, enjoy the moment. I mean, ice cream and chocolate are a great yeah. example <laughs> of enjoying the moment. But, yeah, I see so many very, very lonely and unhappy people yeah. in my ice cream shop as well as when I have clients. And that's the bit I can't bear. That's the big burning why in my life and yeah. the big thing I want to try and sort out. Yeah, it's just, it was the one thing that I was thinking of, like, I, I kind of wet, I wonder where the crossover comes in. And that was definitely the first bit that came into my head anyway, that I was like, well, people are happy yeah. around you in terms of like, you're bringing happiness to someone in a different way. Yeah, And it's more of a testament of who you are that you can do it in two completely different ways, but achieve a similar positive impact on someone's life but yeah owning an ice cream shop and coaching it's cool right yeah it is cool (laughs) i won't tell you about my favorite flavors and my life problems but (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, they're both amazing, like amazing ventures. What were you like growing up? Oh gosh, uh, I wasn't a happy child. Really? No. So I, I'll let you into a little secret that I haven't told oh, anyone. Yes. I cried every single day from a toddler until I was nearly eight years old when I was dropped off at either nursery or school. Really? Every single day. I was similar, a bit younger, but. And I have, when I think back to that time, it was hideous. Really? Just the, the fact that I was being left somewhere, somewhere that I wasn't particularly happy. Now I think it's because actually I was a huge introvert growing up. And so immediately putting someone from their family environment straight into a room full of noisy children right. is the wrong environment sure. for an introvert child. And I was a massive introvert. I was happiest, you know, playing with my toys or reading a book or whatever it was and being quite alone. Yeah. Um, and I hated the thought of school. I hated the thought of being left somewhere and not being picked up until the afternoon in that environment. Yeah. It took me until I was 40 to realise that that was going, that was going on. It- and that's where I find our similarities. I was really similar and it's because I'm naturally quite introverted, mm. but people, I think they hear introvert and they think quiet, shy. Yeah. That's no, not, I'm definitely that's not, not shy. <laughs> no, but, and it's the same with me in terms of it. I'm, but it's just that you draw your energy with, from within, within yeah. rather than externally where people pick off energy yeah. off other people, which we all do to a certain extent. But yeah, I used to, I mean, funny story in terms of, I used to cry like kind of up up until I was about five. Yeah. I mean, I had a dummy till I was, I had two dummies till I was five mm-hmm. and my mum used to sneak it in my pocket because I weren't allowed it at nursery. But my mum, everyone called her Anna growing up and then I had my nan. So I called my nan mum and my mum Anna. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I'm an only child. So my nursery teacher said to my mum once, she was like, yeah, Luca keeps crying for a sibling like at the window. And then my mum was like, he's got no brothers and sisters. What are you on about? And she's like, oh, yeah, he just stands there screaming Anna, Anna, like, for, mm. for like, hours. And she was like, that's me. Mm. He calls me Anna. And they were, like, confused, but somewhat like, oh, okay, that makes some more sense. But, yeah, I, I, I was terrible. I'm also, I've read this book, Highly Sensitive Person, which yeah, is a great brilliant. book. And I'm out of the test of, I believe it's 21, I was, like, 18. Yeah. So I think, yeah, the hearing of screaming and everything, mm. it kind of drains you more as a person having all of that. I find that so interesting though, that you were like a sad child because you're just so full of life now. I I didn't enjoy my childhood. I'll be honest. I was happiest. So I used to show dogs. What? I know. Weird. (laughs) Um, My parents had these pedigree dogs and I started off showing them. And then I used to go and show for other people professionally. Wow. Yeah. And I loved that. I loved being around animals and I could go into a show ring and I became another person. It was like an alter ego. And I talk about alter yeah. ego quite a lot. But mm-hmm. it's like I put on this persona, really? which was this strong, confident dog showing Bridget <laughs> and, and did really well at it. Yeah. But because I was in an environment that I actually felt comfortable with, I'd, I'm much happier. And, and I love people. You know, I do. Sure, but yeah. I'm happiest when I'm with my dogs. Yeah. And they're the cutest dogs, by the way, ever. They are cute. I love them. But. Yeah, I, school was not the right environment environment for me. Which and is... I see a lot of other kids and I recognise that in them as well. Sure. Sometimes that big class, noisy, 
very, very particular learning environment, if you're an introvert, yeah. is really hard. Yeah, because now I learn and do everything way better isolated. Yeah. Like if I'm writing these interviews, it's like I have to be on my own headphones. Yeah. Focusing. Um, yeah, it is. It's tough. And it, it's true that you're in a room of like, I mean, I was in rooms of like 30 people. And if it was noisy, I, I couldn't particularly focus. Yeah. So, of course, that's natural, isn't it? But you, in terms of like, I watch you now, I can't pitch you that way. But yeah. it makes so much more sense when you explain it. But I've done a lot of work on myself. Right. So I went through a lot of pain in my childhood with that. Mm -hmm. Then became a teenager into my 20s and almost rebounded away from that mm. and tried to become this huge extrovert. Sure. And it was fake, right? I was faking it. Yeah. You know, I was this extroverted, slightly wild person who kind of said, fuck you to the world and I'm going to do what I want. And with loads of attitude... I'm not going to lie, I wasn't particularly a nice person in those times. I'm very similar, <laughs> yeah. But that was a coping strategy that I had learnt to do. And it wasn't really until I got a bit older when I thought something's got to change here and I've got to acknowledge that I am a huge introvert. Mm -hmm. But though I also love people, but I'm not good at big mass gatherings of people. I'm much better one-to-one -one or in a small group. I used to do quite a lot of public speaking. Which I love. Yeah. But then the bit afterwards when everyone wants to come and ask yeah. you questions, I'd have to go away for half an hour, 45 minutes and say, can you just leave me be? Yep. And I will come back out and I'll be recharged and I'll, you know, I'll yeah. answer. I'll stay here all day if I have to. Sure. But I need that time where I can just unwind, be alone first. It, it feels like this is the thing because I do know you, but. Like I keep feeling like we have so many more similar, like so many similarities. Cause I'm the exact same. I became like a real dick at like sort of 15 to 19, and then I went to summer camp, and that first year at summer camp kind of changed me, mm -hmm. and I became a bit more a servant to people and in terms of like wanting to help people. If you, if you could say, if you could speak to 21 year old Bridget now, and tell her what she has in store for her going forward, what would you have told 21-year-old Bridget? Well, I actually wrote this down. Exciting. Because I'm going to write it in my book, and I'm going to talk Ooh. about you, Luca. Yes. Um, I'm just going to find the page, because but, listeners, I've written a whole <clears throat> load of notes. Yeah, let me fill them in whilst you fill yeah. this out. Um, my heart was very warm when I saw Bridget <laughs> bring out a wad of paper, and I was like, I wonder why there's so much Bridget has wrote. A phenomenal amount of notes, which I'm so so excited about, um, and yeah, I'm I'm looking at her now, and she looks like she's found her spot. So I'm gonna. Let well, her I found a it. different spot, but we're gonna go with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, if I could go back to my younger self mm -hmm. and give myself a bit of advice, it would be take yourself off, Bridget. Take yourself away. I don't know. Go away for six months and find yourself. And I don't mean like in an ashram in India, right? Yeah. Um, but just go and go somewhere where you can truly be yourself and explore what that looks like. Okay. Because I think the problem is, this is certainly my experience, and I'm sure it is for a lot of people. What we do is we find we're at a point of pain and we find these coping strategies and we layer them up on ourselves. And then we become something we're really not sure. as a way to survive. When actually, instead of layering all that stuff up, if we if we just sit with it for a bit, go somewhere, sit with it, maybe, I don't know, go and 
go and live the other side of the world and go and speak to a psychologist and have a session with him once a week or her once a week and I don't know go and serve beer behind a bar for six months and just find out who you are you can avoid so much pain when you're older yeah um and you asked me a question about you said if I said to you that you could have pursued this idea of what you're doing now at 25 years old or at your age now which would you choose and the reason I'm going to link this yeah yeah I like it is because I would choose now every time and I thought I had an inclination because I'm from knowing you it feels like you finding everything now. Thank God I found it now. Yeah. Because I look at in bed with Bridget, and we'll speak about that afterwards. But although you've directed it towards women, like older women, mm-hmm. that could have been at 25, and you could have been talking about stuff at 25. Do you know what, though, Luca? <laughs> it, if I'd had my in bed with Bridget at 25, I was such an arrogant cow. <laughs> I thought I had all my shit for like figured yeah, out yeah. <laughs> I would have been some overconfident jumped up literally a bore off and I wouldn't have had a single listener because everyone would have said who does she think she is right <laughs> but that was a mask you know that yeah. overconfident cocky Bridget at 25 I didn't have my shit together yeah at all and and that is the issue I have with people now yeah. you get 25 year olds on social media and I'm you know, I don't want to alienate everyone, any, you know, anyone yeah. with this, but yeah. I'm sure there are some very level-headed 25-year-olds. But Christ, I mean, there's no way at 25 in bed with Bridget would have happened. Really? No way. I knew you would have this positive spin on it, mm. knowing that the content you're providing now, it is so valuable. Luca, and- I would have been banned from Instagram. <laughs> I would. Because I, I know myself, I would have tried to be really controversial. Right. I would have pushed buttons just for the sake of pushing buttons. <laughs> and Instagram would probably have sent me a very polite notice saying thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> you but are like, now banned. But I look at it and like, <clears throat> I c- it's not that I can imagine you being that way, but you've done, you, you walk that line so well now mm. where you are, you're, you're com- you know, you're confident in your opinions you believe what you believe to a to an absolute positive like yeah. that it's it's confidence it's not a willingness to it's not come, doesn't come from a stubborn place no um and it makes it so much it makes it more engaging that you really mm. believe these things and it's and i listen to it and it's I'll, let me go to this question i guess do you find it interesting that me 26 year old male finds your content as interesting as i do when you're clearly directing this, women kind of, you know, 35 plus. Yeah. Um, that your content is driven that way, but I can still listen to an hour. Yeah. And be like, wow, that was super bloody engaging. I absolutely loved it. Well, it's a really good question because when I started looking at my podcast, all the research I did, because I'm a big geek, Luca. Sure, yeah. So I, in typical Bridget fashion, spent three <laughs> years researching it. Um, but everyone said to me, you've got to niche your podcast. Right. And so I set out with In Bed with Bridget where I thought, right, well, who am I talking to? Who's it going to be relevant to? Well, I guess it's going to be relevant to women in their 40s. Sure. If I tell you that the podcast in the podcast audience tends to be made up 50, 50 men, women. Right. And I've got everyone from 20 up to I'd say my maximum is about 55. Sure. My IGTV. Every single time I post a video, I get private messages from gay men. Really? I've got a gay male following right. on my video channel. 
Who? I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even consider that. And I was speaking to a friend of mine who's a gay, who's a gay male, and and I said to him, just out of interest, why do you feel such a connection to this? Mm -hmm. And he said, because you're a gay woman. Yeah. You're a straight talker, and you talk about the shit that no one else talks about. Right. Which is and that's very appealing. So, gay, straight, male, female. I guess I'm appealing to people who are still in fear about their own stuff. And by me speaking about it, it potentially will give them the confidence to deal with it. Yeah. It, I liken it to like a controversial comedian. Let's just say Frankie Boyle because it's the first one that comes oh, to I my head. I was talking about him today. Like, yep. I, like I've grown up finding him hilarious, mm. but it's almost like that person saying a load of stuff that you know is true... And you're like, oh, God, I wonder yeah. how they're going to work around it. And it takes a great level of, believe it or not, care yeah. and intellect to make it funny, not just offensive and being able to tread that line. It take, like It's always the smartest comedians that are able to do it, like a Bill Burr and, you know, dark comedians. Yeah. But I liken that somewhat to what you're doing, mm-hmm. that it's clearly thought out. It's not, I'm just spouting crap out of my mouth. Because yep. it's just, in today's society, we're better at reading that. We just are because we have to be. Yeah. Because there is so much kind of faker shit on there. And and it is, we've had to train ourselves to be like, do we think that's real? Do we think that's fake? like fake? And yeah, from you, it's clear that it's real. It's clear that it's fought out. It's clear that, you know, there is delicate, there is delicacy in, in the way you're delivering it. But at the same time, it's like, oh God, you know, she's talking about chin hair with women. And, yeah. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, God, she's really covered that so well. And, of course, there's this intrigue of being like, how's she going to do it? How's she going to do it? How's she going to do it? And you just, you wrote, you wrote that, like, wave so well. And I thought that was almost symbolic of what you've built within Bed with Bridget. But do you know the weird thing to come out of it is that people are telling me they're embarrassing stories. Right. And I think I'm going to have to do an entire series on my podcast (laughs) on my listeners' embarrassing stories. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Can I tell you one of them? Yes. So I've got permission to tell this story and I'm not going to mention any names. Yeah, right. Um, But people people feel really comfortable telling me their embarrassing stories. So uh, I mentioned my chin hair story on my podcast and I was talking about, you know, what happens when you get older and... I, I went to get my uh, eyebrows done and the lady saying to me, she tipped the chair back and in a really loud voice in House of Fraser in Richmond, she said, shall I do your chin while I'm here? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> good, good that she yeah. did it to me because yeah. I just laughed because it was really, really <laughs> funny. But one of my listeners actually left me a voice memo with her embarrassing story, which was now morally, it's not that justified, but. I'm going to share it with you because when she told me, you know, when someone tells you something and you howl, yeah, of course. Like I literally, like you did with the yeah, cake making, yeah. I was howling. So I'll pray see it for you. Sure. She was in a very unhappy marriage, married for 20 years, um, very unhappy. Husband was away all the time. She suspected that he was sleeping with his 21 year old secretary. She, and all her friends get together and her friend said, you know what you need to do? You need to have an affair with someone unattached. Just, just get your end away. Just have a bit of fun. So she ends up having sex with the gardener. I mean, it's a real cliche. This guy is 20 something, 
built like a brick shit house. He's gorgeous. He comes to, you know, does her garden. No pun intended there. Um, and she starts flirting. She's an attractive woman. She starts flirting. Anyway, they have this affair. So her husband went away for the weekend. And without going into too much detail, she no longer uses a condom with her husband. She uses a condom with gardening man. They have sex. They use a condom. Gardening man goes away. Husband comes back Sunday night. Monday morning, they are sitting, having their breakfast. In the garden, her dog does a poo and poos out the condom. Wow. God. There's just so many layers of how do you explain it? (laughs) When she told me the story in this voicemail, I was howling. I'd be dying inside. Dying. Now, there's a moral issue around whether, you know, she has now actually become a coaching client. Okay. Um, But I'm telling you this story for your listeners because going back to why I do what I do on my podcast, Mm -hmm. if if you trigger in something, the ability for them to tell their truth, maybe something they've never told anyone, that they're either embarrassed, ashamed, guilty, or it's a funny story. Right. They then feel that they can open up and tell you. Sure. And that is what coaching is. It and is. I, yeah. And I think that's why my platform with IGTV or my podcast is maybe not everyone can come and afford to have coaching with me. Mm-hmm. But there's a way for me to coach people that they can listen to, they can get something from, they can take action, and it doesn't cost them anything. Oh, God, that is gold. <laughs> it's gold, <laughs> isn't it? Gold. Gold. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I just can't... I can't imagine... No. The conversation that even no. comes out after that. It's like, yeah, she must have just picked that up somewhere else. It couldn't have been here, obviously. Oh, God. I know. Cringe. So, oh, God. listeners of Luca's podcast, I apologise for that. Don't apologise. That's but... one of the best things that's ever happened. I had to share it with oh, you. Oh, I love that so much. So, I mean, I don't know how to transition. Let's just say, like, what is in bed with Bridget? If you had to explain it to my listeners. So the reason it's in bed with Bridget is because I have a history of being quite unwell, okay. which we're not going to go into because sure. there are too many entrepreneurs giving a sob story about bad health. Uh, it's not part. It's part yeah. of my story, but boring. It's really boring. <laughs> okay. So no worries. I spent a lot of time in bed. And some of my greatest ideas have come when I've been really, really unwell and been unable to get out of bed. So in homage to my lovely bed and my healing environment, I do it all from bed. I love that. That's amazing. So I film, as you know, my TV video thing from my bed and I record my podcast from my bed. And you just look like you have one of the comfiest beds I've ever seen as well. Yeah, my wife chose that bed. When we moved house, we renovated our house and her non-negotiable was that she wanted a really, really luxurious bed. And at the time, when she, it was a bit like a comedy thing. She told me how much it was and I went, how much? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Best investment we ever made. And it's beautiful. I've never, ever heard a person say, I regret investing that much money in my bed. Yeah, I totally agree. I just, you never hear it, no. no matter how much it is. And because it's a long-term investment, you feel good about it anyway. But recording podcasts from it, it's, it's, now, it's now like an office and, a, and a, a place to sleep. And another reason I do it is because invariably I'm in my pajamas with no makeup on. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
what better way to talk to people than when the masks are off? Yeah. You know, when you're comfortable, when you're really you, mm-hmm. you know, might have a face mask on. Actually, <laughs> often I do have a face mask on. Um, and it's natural. Yeah. You know, it's just me chatting from my bed. And does that help with, because you are as open as you are about the stuff that you're open about, which can be sensitive for some people, but does it help finding somewhere comfortable for you to be able to be like, I'm comfortable in this environment, it makes it easier to be as open as I am about the stuff that I'm open about? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, podcasting is an introvert's dream, isn't it? For me, it is. I'm loving it. <laughs> it's superb. Yeah. You can just talk and, yeah, it's, it's an introvert's dream. Recording the video from my bed, I thought I'd be really worried about. Actually, I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah, you can tell on the... I think if I did Instagram Live, which I am going to challenge myself to do, yeah, I'd be a bit more nervous. But I thought I'd be really, really nervous. I'm more distressed by hearing my voice on playback. Don't. don't. Oh, it's the exact thing I've been so hating awkward. about this process. And it's the only thing I have did not enjoyed. Uh, having to listen to me as much as I do. Yeah. I've got quite a deep voice for a woman and sometimes when I'm really passionate about something, instead of going up, it actually goes down. So I end up down here and I'm like, um, and yeah, it's really awkward listening to your voice. Yeah. And I've got like a mini lisp and I hate my laugh. Yeah. There's just so much. I'm I'm even learning new that's bad. I'm like, oh God. (laughs) And even the editing process for me, I'm like, I'm finding ways of like editing my own voice as much as possible. I don't edit any of mine. Really? Nothing. Oh, I'm a nerd. That's that's like where I get geeky in terms of me. It might not be numbers, but I'm like, right, let's edit bits and make sure that it sounds all good. And so I'm cutting. I'm my second interview with Jess. I cut out easily eighteen minutes of my own wow. voice. Wow, easily. Um, because of that reason, <laughs> I'm like, just get, <laughs> stop talking. You spoke so much. Shut up. And I just delete it. And then kind of figure out a way of making it sound coherent afterwards. But um, yeah, it, I love it. But that's the only thing. But it's all a learning process. Have you found it like a massive learning process going through it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, right down to... I listen, like you, podcasting is my favourite medium to get information. So sure. I listen to all the greats. And I was really, really fortunate a couple of weeks ago that I met Lewis Howes. Oh, God, the dream. Yeah, I was so excited. So excited. I was like a kid with a crush. Really? He's just gorgeous. I mean, he's gorgeous gorgeous. to look at, but it's more than that for me. He's just awesome. Oh, he's an amazing human being. And I got some feedback off him. You know, I asked him some questions about interviewing people. Mm -hmm. And he was, he's just been really lovely. And. I think I think you do learn as you go along and it's one thing I get my clients to do and it's something I've struggled with in the past. It's stop waiting until everything's perfect before you start. Right. Because trust me, Luca, if I had, I'd be at 55 going, oh, shall I do in bed with Bridget? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't have done it. And it was just by throwing myself into it. And you're only going to learn through experience, I feel like, as well. That's what I've found with it all. Yeah. That it's like something I wouldn't have would have ever considered before. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, crap. Like, I need to think of that in future. Um, Yeah, I completely agree. And you learn, you know, you learn about where you're good, where you're not good, where you can improve. Um, I want to actually take some voice coaching at some point. Sure. Because I want to, I want to really learn what my voice can do. Um, I think I've got a voice that comes across sometimes as being a bit too posh. Okay. And... 
I can't really do much about that because it's my natural speaking voice. Yeah. But there are tips and tricks that people use in the industry to soften that a bit or to, right. you know, change the inflection of your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm open to learning, definitely. Yeah, like mine's naturally, I, I adapt my accent very quickly to where I am. Then I went to America for two months and a few of my friends were like, why have you somewhat picked up an American <laughs> accent? And I was like... <laughs> I don't know, like, so you're just around it. But now, I guess, me being in Richmond a lot more, it's not even that I'm more well-spoken, because I'm definitely not, but in terms of, like, the tone of my voice and everything has become more of a reflection of where I am environment-wise. Yeah. So I guess that helped, that you being in Richmond maybe as well. You're, yeah. You're around a lot of well-spoken people as well. Yeah, and I'm very aware, like, my wife's an actress, and mm. I'm very aware she's very, very good at feedback. And... Watching her, so she's in a show at the moment where she's had to learn five different parts and they've wow. all got five completely different accents. Wow. And she kind of has to learn to switch into this accent. Mm-hmm. But what I find really interesting by studying her is it's amazing what you feel based on how someone sounds. Yep. I mean, I'm not someone, and, and my wife will, will <laughs> back me up on this, I cannot bear high-pitched female voices. Really? So I'm wondering if that's why consciously also I make an effort to drop Somewhat mine down. Maybe. But I can't, I cannot listen to very high-pitched female voices. Um, but high-pitched female voices sometimes are of a benefit. Mm-hmm. So high-pitched female voices are very good in trying to build rapport with men. Uh, yeah, right, okay. Because men automatically, you know, there's a woman and she's got a high voice and she's very feminine and she's very, you know, it buys into that whole flirty thing. Women, yeah. when they flirt, tend to lift their voice up. And yeah. I can't listen to it, Luca. No. So I'm not going to change my voice to be a high pitched voice. But having listened to so many podcasters, I've definitely, there's definitely some vocal work I want to do around it. Yeah, because it's the, um, it's the 55, 38, 7 rule, which is, the way how we process lang uh, how we process information it's 55 percent body language mm-hmm. it's 38 percent tonality mm-hmm. and it's seven percent of the actual words that you use yep. so it's kind of this idea that you could say one thing with one body language and it'd be completely received differently if you said it in a different but it's the that 38 percent tonality is so important it's so even more than the words you use yep knowing that that's what it is is so i found that so interesting it's and it's now it's dictated how i how i talk to certain people and everything but yeah i I don't i don't know if i'll ever get too comfortable with my voice i guess maybe after a while like repetition maybe but you just you never know but it's so interesting for you to that's something i would never put with you in terms of thinking about trying to change your voice because i've just for me, anyway, I'm like, I just take the information in that I take in. But Well, it's obviously worked because you've listened to my <laughs> podcast. Yeah, exactly. I'm doing so, something right, Luca. Yeah, of course. Um, you've spoken about your lovely wife, Kiara. Mm. She, she's so sweet. I've only met her the once when we went to Rathbone. But um, she was so lovely. Have you found, first of all, I guess, being open on social media... How, what challenges has that come with, obviously, you know, as a, as a gay woman? Like, how's that, like, what's that presented in terms of feedback in different ways? Oh, it's a minefield. Yeah, I've just... It's I mean, cool, but. I, every time I post either a photo of my wife, mm-hmm. 
or I talk about her on IGTV or on my Insta story, I lose probably 100, 150 followers instantly. Wow. Um, and you know what? Fuck you, right? I yeah, mean, if, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're going to be like that, then I don't want you following me anyway. I, I um, agree. I'm not interested in thousands and thousands of followers. I'm interested in connecting with people where I can help. So goodbye. Yeah, completely agree. Um, but the rage that I get on direct message from men, from some women. Sure. Um, I've been told by a very religious man that I'm going to burn in hell. Um, I've been... Yeah, I've been told not to post photos of me and my wife. Um, I have been told that I'm despicable, that it's my place. I was put on this earth to uh, procreate and to produce children. And by being a gay woman, I wasn't. Um, I mean, I've had some really, really hateful stuff. Yeah, and I mean, you've shown one particular case. I showed one man, yeah. Yeah, we won't give that more energy than no. it needs but i can completely agree it's disgusting the way and the only are. reason i showed that one person mm-hmm. is actually to be authentic and honest yeah and tell my followers this is the kind of stuff i get right and that it's not going to stop me no carrying on as i am because i'm doing no harm to anyone um and i'm spreading my message and i'm living an authentic life and if that means that certain people don't like it then so be it yeah what positives come from it though have you had much positive from it loads yeah, because I think it's easy to get to there's closed minded people. They're going to hate it. Yeah. But there must be like really like positive stuff of being like that. It's refreshing to see someone so openly taking that taking that step of being like, look, I love who I love. Yeah. Fuck you if you don't really yeah. like. If you're not. But I've got Kiara to thank for that. Really? So Kiara's in, 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 in an industry. She's in musical theatre mm-hmm. that's very gay friendly. Yeah. Right? I right. mean, there's loads of gay creative men in the industry. There's also mm-hmm. quite a lot of lesbian women. Sure. Um, so for her, it was kind of normal in her industry. Right. There's no label put on whether you're gay or straight. You're just Kiara the actress or, yeah. you know, whoever it is, you know, Bob the dancer, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I came into the relationship with her with lots of reservations myself. But sure. she's been in an, in-, in an industry that's very open and supportive of gay rights. Right. So I've got a lot of my bravery around sharing it from her. Okay. Interestingly. Um, And actually, she's been great in helping me be brave about it. Sure. Because I didn't have much experience of people being brave about it. They just hid it. I mean, I know lots and lots of gay men, gay women in industries where they don't even, their companies don't even know. Which is horrendous in today's age. I hate it, but it's... It's still prevalent. Yeah, and you look at it in sport. Yeah. Still the same. Still the same. So the positives I'm getting from it are that so many people message me and say, um, because of you, I feel comfortable doing the same. Right. Because of you, I'm going to go and tell my parents. Because of you, I'm going to have a chat with my boss. That's amazing. Right? I mean... It's like one of the best gifts you can give anybody to be that accepting of themselves more than anything else. Yeah. I love that. And people wouldn't know that, if you get what I mean. Like, on the on the surface, if you weren't thinking on that level. So how does that make you feel, giving that for people? I love it. And I love it because, weirdly, actually, it shouldn't matter. So it shouldn't... If How, how do I explain this? 
it shouldn't matter whether someone's gay or straight. Mm-hmm. You either like the person or you don't like the person. Completely so you like Bridget and you buy into Bridget because of who Bridget is. And actually, if someone doesn't want to share their sexuality, mm-hmm. or maybe people don't want to share photographs of their kids, right. or that, you know, the list can go on, that's up to them. But I feel able to do it and I feel able to talk about it. And if I just help one person feel comfortable about their sexuality, my job's done. It is. Like, to give that to someone must just feel, for me anyway, looking into it, I'm like, I can, because I have the somewhat opposite problem. I've had people tell me that they think I'm gay yep. from like 14 to now 26. But yep. I still get it every now and then. Um, and that's come from family, yep. people that I've been to school with, everything. And it's like, after a while, I was just like, I became almost emotionally exhausted of like, I just can't afford to like be defensive about the fact that, guess what, guys, I'm straight. I'm actually yeah, what you society the opposite loving problem. it. Yeah. I'm actually what everybody, like this society, you know, ideal wants. And but that wasn't good enough for people because they want to be like... They want to put a label on you. And they want you to, they want it, like they want to be right after a while. Yeah. Like they, it's more that they've emotionally invested in like, if you're gay, it like validates me calling you gay for like five, six, ten years. But regardless... Who cares? Yeah, that... Like, what has it got to do with anyone else, whether you choose to have sex with a man or a woman? Right. Completely agree. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It just doesn't fucking matter. And yet we're so... People are just so fascinated by it. And the other thing that really, really bugs me, and I'm going to mention this, because this didn't happen to me, this happened to someone else. Um... I chatted to someone who was in the teaching field about being gay and there is an assumption that because he's a teacher and he's gay, he can't teach boys. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, where does that even, you know, it's a bit like someone saying to me, oh, you're a gay female. You must fancy, I don't know, what's her face? Um, Jessie J or no, just because I'm gay doesn't mean that i fancy every single female that walks down the street it's the funniest uh, it's the only hilarious thing that i find about people's straight people's reaction to gay people yeah it's like yeah dude maybe that guy's not your type <laughs> like like you're not that attractive like yeah birds are turning you down so why yeah. would you think suddenly gay guys yeah. aren't, aren't going to in terms of like i've had mates that they go the oh years. gay guys they go watch out yeah yeah oh god oh don't even get started on that. Because that's what people would say with me. They'd be like, you're gay yeah. and you fancy me. And it's like, mm. first of all, not gay. Second yep. of all, even if you're I was. ugly. <laughs> so don't worry. Don't yeah. worry. I'm not knocking your door down, even if I was gay. Yeah. Such a misconception. Yeah. The, in terms of, I find it funny because I find it as hard to relate to as I do in terms of like, I mean, I've been chatted up by gay guys, but like, I've also known gay guys that would never find me attractive. And I've never even thought about like, oh, I better be careful around him. Like, yeah. he's gay. I'm like... But this is the same equivalent as 20 years ago, and I'm sure it still happens now, but I think we've become much more open to friendship. Yeah. It's the same thing that if you're in a straight relationship, so let's say you and I are husband and wife, yeah. and you decide to have a female friend, mm-hmm. and I'm your wife going, oh, well, I mean, should I be worried? Right. I mean, come on. I think it's changed now. I think in couples it's acceptable for someone to have a friend of the opposite sex. Sure. But just because you've got a friend of the opposite sex doesn't mean you're going to sleep with them. No, of course not. 
Oh, God. <laughs> God. I'm and getting you know, on my soapbox now, Luke. I'm yeah, going to calm no, down. No, no, no. I, <laughs> makes I, me so angry. No, but I appreciate it because it's so, it's so needed. And, it's a, you know, I've created this platform for that exact reason of people being open about, about what they're doing. And, you know, it, I guess it's not unfortunate. Fortunately, I'm going to say, the work that you do, that you do empower, like, gay people to have, like, completely different perceptions of their sexuality. And, yeah. And although it's not directly what you're trying to do, it's like a byproduct of just how great you are and what you yeah. are doing that you're also accidentally giving these, you know, people that are making this choice, like not making this choice, making the choice to be more open about their sexuality. Yeah. You're, you're easing it for them and giving them more confidence. But do you know what I also get on Instagram, which is I'm just going to leave this as a final point on this topic. Yeah, for sure. Loads of people go, you don't look gay. I mean, <sighs> oh, OK, sometimes if I've got time, yeah. I reply to them and I go, oh, great. What does gay look like? Yeah. Oh, you're not some butch dyke. Well, yeah. no, I'm not. But <laughs> even if I was, what? Yeah, what's that got to do with you? And why did you feel compelled to say it? Yeah. But so apparently I don't look gay, Lucas. So there we go. And, you know, <laughs> and and second of all, if we did end up as husband and wife, I would have done way better than I expected. So <laughs> we're all good there. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to someone that? is pursuing maybe something that involves them being open on, let's say social media, mm-hmm. but it can be in whatever platform they want to use. But what would your advice be for someone that is trying to be so open about who they are as a person? So, I mean, the advice stands whether you're a 25-year-old or a 45-year-old. So we've we've already discussed the 25-year-old Bridget. Yeah. If 25-year-old Bridget had been on Instagram, she would have been banned. So let's move on from that one. <laughs> um, listen... Be your authentic self and just roll with it. As long as you're doing no harm, you know, you can be controversial, but please, you know, let's not do harm to others. But as long as you're being you and you are offering your unique perspective to the world, people are going to either, they're going to agree with it or not. They're going to love it or they're not. They're going to, but over time, you will find a core group of people who absolutely love what you've got to say and will get value from it. And so that is my advice. Just go with it. Gay, straight, black, white, into rap music, into blimmin', I don't know, Burt Bacharach, whatever it is. Just be authentic you. I couldn't agree more. I love it. It's, um, and it's, it's me, I'm trying to do that more and more. And I'm going to encourage you, Luca. Yeah, it is <laughs> tough, it is, because I've, I've done it in writing, because I've always found that, and you're a very good writer. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's it's the one that I've felt easier doing because it's similar to this. Like me and you are talking to each other and it's not like we're having this massive public conversation. So as an introvert, you haven't got to worry about how people are receiving it until it's out. Yep. But um, Okay, so let's do a two-minute coaching session. Do you mind? Yeah, of course. So that, that, okay. I'd love that. Let's do it. So your reticence is around how you portray the real you on social media. Mm-hmm. What are you scared of? Um, I guess I'm, if I'm scared of anything, I'm scared of coming across as self-absorbed, um, in terms of not considerate of others. Um, I've also, I mean, the popular in thing at the moment is this imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I probably do suffer from it. I'm so determined and ambitious and trying to get onto the next thing that I have trouble enjoying slash celebrating the stuff that I'm achieving in the present. Mm-hmm. In my eyes, I'm, you know, there's a clock, there's this metaphorical clock of 
you know, you've only got a certain amount of time on earth. I'm trying to achieve as much as possible in that time. So it's this idea of not looking like, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me, whilst also I'm thinking of the next thing immediately and I'm not, it makes me, I think I've got a naturally anxious mind, um, which impacts everything that I do, but it means that I become scared of this idea of looking too settled or looking like I'm not pursuing something else or that I'm celebrating me too much, mm-hmm. I think, is probably the, the biggest fear. Okay, so how old are you again? 20- 26. So the 26-year-old you is, I mean, you're wise beyond your years. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I know you, so I, you know, I know a lot about you and you're very, very wise. I think this whole look at me, you're the least look at me person I have ever met. Really? So I don't think you need to worry about that. Okay. But actually, the mere fact that we are on social media is because we want people to look at us. Yeah. Right? I yeah. mean, that's why we're all there. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. You know, my ego gets involved um, and I post stuff and I want to see the response to it. That's, that's what it's set up for. Sure. So everyone's there for people to look at them. Yeah. So if you get over that hurdle and accept that, you are there for people to look at you. Mm-hmm. But because you've got a really valid message to share with the world, because you are serving others... It will help you get over that fear of, oh, I'm being, you know, self-important and I'm being self-indulgent. Because you're not. You've just got a message to offer the world. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is I think you've got this anxiety around racing through stuff and moving on to the next thing. Because deep down, you're not really sure you're good enough in the moment at what you're doing. Okay. <laughs> and I tell you this because I used to do the same. By the way, that okay is an, is an acknowledgement and an agreeance. It's not a anything else. Sure. I see that in you because I used to be you. Sure. So I would race through something and go on to the next thing because actually I was scared of looking at the thing I was doing in the moment and mm. making it great. Sure. So my advice to you, and this is your challenge, Luca, is that you are going to focus on this amazing work you're doing with podcasting and really commit to it 100% mm-hmm. and then we reevaluate. Okay, then cool. we look at it with fresh eyes and go, okay, great. You threw 100% into that. Now let's take that and let's add another 100% onto it for the next series. Right. But you haven't got anything to worry about. You just okay. need to be you because you're gorgeous. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's true that, I mean, self-esteem, anxiety, I'm hyper aware of that they're my two yep. things I'm always working on because they're always, I've naturally had lower self-esteem and I've naturally been very high anxiety, like, and yeah, you mix it all up with all of this and it just naturally finds the way that it does. Have you got a muse? Not really, in terms of, no. So when I interview Joe, Joe yeah. is my muse. Whenever yeah. I do a bit of writing, whenever I record a podcast episode, I record it just for her. Wow. And I find that that really helps. Cool. If you speak to an audience of one, yeah. someone you know gets really like amazing value out of your stuff. Mm-hmm. It takes so much anxiety out of it. Speak that's to one person. Yeah, that's interesting. I need to figure that out. In all honesty, it could be you. Cool. Let's Inter- make it me. Yeah. And that's why I've, I was really, I was nervous asking you to interview because <laughs> I knew that if it was a no, which thankfully it wasn't, that no would have hurt a little bit more than everyone else's because I've wanted to interview that badly. Um, and yeah, of course, like the, the first time me and you had dinner, I had a couple of drinks. It was just immediately I was like, there's just so much to learn and absorb whether it's passively or actively that 
there was almost this pressure on my side. I was like, oh, I don't want to, you know, anger you or annoy you or anything because that relationship immediately, it meant a lot in a short amount of time. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's you. Maybe we've found that out now. I mean, there's nothing like a podcast episode <laughs> to find it out. Yeah, to have like a this real life realisation. This is live, folks. Oh, God. Yeah, it is. But I want to talk to you about the book. Yep. And how exciting has that process been? So, again, I'll let you into a secret that a lot of people don't know. I've already written a book. I wrote a oh. book, a nutrition book, several years ago under my alter ego, which was Six Pack Chick. Okay. Um, and I published that and it did really well. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of traction out of that and a lot of attention out of it. So much so that because I'm 100% authentic, I'm now pulling that book. Really? So I wrote that book and it was a great journey. I enjoyed writing it. Um, I enjoyed what came after it. I enjoyed the doors it opened up for me. But I no longer believe in what I wrote. Okay. In that I believe what I wrote, but it's no longer valid to where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. So I've wanted to write a second book for, for ages, and I've actually got about five books in my head that I want to write. Um, I I'm secretly want to be an author, Luca, but shh, don't tell anyone. Okay, that's just between <laughs> us. Um, and I'm writing a book now, which is a warts and all guide to women for women in their 40s. Mm-hmm. Um. I've written most of the book already. I am now reworking some of it because some of it's it's difficult to explain, but because I talk about things like finance, I talk about love, I talk about appearance, I talk about so many things, the voice in some of the chapters has changed. And so I want to make it a common voice running through it. Um, But I'm really loving writing it. Oh, great. I mean, chin hair does get a mention, obviously. Um, (laughs) But it's it's right down to, so I've never had really any fear around money. I've never had a fear around making money. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had fears over lots of things, but money isn't one of them. And I see so many people who enter my life who have this real fear around money. Okay. And like, even if everything disappeared to, tomorrow, I lost my business, I lost my coaching. I know I could go out and make money. I mean, I'd probably go and clean houses yeah. and I'd make myself the best cleaner that this person had ever had. <laughs> and then set up my own cleaning company but anyway I don't have this fear around making money and yet a lot of people that I speak to in their 40s have this fear around money okay so maybe they they married young and they're relying on their husband for money maybe they are coming back after having kids and want to re-enter a career but they're scared of not getting the salary they want or you know I don't have any of those fears so in the book I address things with humour, but with a very tough love approach. Sure. Like, I don't believe people should be in their 40s with massive debt. I mean, if you've got massive debt in your 40s, we need to have a chat. Right. You need to ring me. Yeah. Because I believe you should be in your 40s and and saving. I believe you should be generating income from investments. I be, You know, I believe in lots of things. And equally love. You know, people say you know, the right person's round the corner for you. There's so much bullshit on social media. There's so many <laughs> bullshit. In fact, 2020, I might make it a mission to get rid of bullshit memes on them um, or quotes on social media. But, um, you know, people say, I'm, I'm not too worried about finding love. The right person's going to come into my life. No, you 
girl, you got to take action. Right. Like, if you want to find a, a fellow or you want to find a woman, you got to take action. <laughs> you need to put yourself in the right environment where you're going to meet someone. Yep. If you want to meet someone who's in the creative arts, what are you doing? Hanging around Canary Wharf, meeting, you know, traders. Yeah, right. And so, sorry, I'm getting very excited, listeners. Please. I have a very tough love approach to things in the same way that I do when I'm coaching. So my book really is a reflection of my coaching. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's so hard. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm listening to you, but I'm also in amazement because it, it is, it's, it's so obvious in the way that you're delivering everything. And my belief in you combined with the passion that you deliver it with, I know it will be successful. But I haven't got all the answers, Lucas. So what I'm no, what no. I'm trying to say is I'm I'm giving examples of what I've done in my life. Of course. I'm giving examples of what my clients have done. I haven't got all my shit together. Like, for example, I cannot stop my dogs from pulling on a lead. <laughs> right? Yeah. I go out for a walk every single day and my bloody dogs, and I love them, <laughs> yank the lead and it drives me mad. <laughs> now, I could do something about it. Really what I need to do is I need to call up our friend (laughs) and I need to say I need help with my dogs pulling on the lead. And you know who I'm talking about. But I haven't. But what I'm saying is, give me a problem. Let's focus on it. Let's give it 100% commitment until we have solved that problem. Mm -hmm. And it's like the lead pulling thing. When I'm ready, those dogs are going to go through military training (laughs) and they will no longer be pulling on a lead. And I will throw 100% into that until they stop. Absolutely. And that's what my book is. I love it. And how far along in the process that you can reveal? Like how, if you, let's say percentage-wise. I've written, I've written 75% of the book. Okay. I've got 25% to go. Sure. Um, I have scheduled time in my diary to finish that 25%. Okay. And I don't know, I've got no idea how it works in terms of 100% done to on a shelf so i'm going to self-publish okay cool um i might go with a hybrid publisher but i i want to have the control of my book yeah i agree um because i also want to record an audible version and i want to release that myself awesome i'm gonna have to sort out my speaking voice before that (laughs) um once i've written the book it goes to my target market i'm going to pick five people in my target market get them to read it Give, get them to give me brutally honest feedback on it. Yeah. Um, I will say to all of them, not what you like, what you didn't like, but I'm going to be very specific and said, if you could cut 10% of this book, what would you cut? Right. And immediately people cut the stuff they didn't like. Yeah. So that's perfect. Yeah. Um, then it comes back to me. I rework it mm-hmm. and I send it out. Once I'm happy with it, I send it out for an initial edit because mm-hmm. my grammar is shocking. Um, and then it will go for a final edit. Okay. somewhere which is a bit of a costly process but great yeah. in the meantime i will have got the book design covered sure. uh, done and yeah so exciting how are you feeling about it all i'm really excited about it good who knows whether it's going to be a bestseller i'm intending it for it to be a bestseller that's not really the purpose of the book the purpose of the book is to introduce people to the way i think mm. to let people know that they're not alone and hopefully find some solutions in it i love it that's awesome What's been your favourite part of coaching? I think my favourite part of coaching is people saying to to me, because of you, I can. It really, there's nothing that affects me like that sentence. Because 
I remember when I remember myself as a child and being so sort of scared of everything and scared of being left and scared of not being liked at school or scared of being by herself in the playground or being talked about, whatever it is, just to know that there's someone there that's got your back, that gives you that tiny, you know, and I'm not the one doing the work, the client is. But when someone says to you, because of you, I can, or because of you, I did this. Yeah, it's an ego boost, but it's more than that. It really, really hits me hard. It's one thing that makes me cry when people say that to me. Really? Yeah. That, yeah. I find that inspiring, you just saying that, in terms of going in, going and doing that for someone else. But do you realise, Luca, your podcast will do that very thing to someone else? I'm hoping so. That's the... Just the fact that you've had the confidence to set up this podcast, to go and, and really ask that difficult question of people you really admire, which is, would you come and be on my podcast? I mean, that's scary. Oh, big time. <laughs> but you've done that. Yeah. You've proved you, as someone that says they're not that technical, has set up a podcast You've asked the people you want to interview and you're doing it. Yeah. Someone will listen to this and say to you, Luca, because of you, I did. Because of you, I set up a podcast. I hope so. That that really is like the sole foundation of what this is built on is helping someone else take a step in their life that they need. And it can be through me. It can be from you, whoever the guest is. But that's the idea of getting as much variety as possible that one person may go of oh, that. Mm-hmm. was what really like stuck with me and what that person gets you know person a may get something from episode three yeah you know but that that is the soul in that's the sole intention and foundation that this has been built on is that to help others progress their life or help others with whatever they need yeah and but, you will yeah i'm hoping so fingers <laughs> crossed if you said to yourself i've built my life on these three or four foundations what would you say they were I would say commitment. So if you're going to do something, go all in. Um, I would say persistence. So regardless of what people think of you, say about you, try and do to scupper you, be persistent. Right. But my biggest thing is approach everything with love. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I every single time, and I, we haven't talked about this, but I used to have a big problem with depression. Sure. The way I got myself out of it was by showing love to others. It's the one thing that got me out of depression. And and I don't mean just gratuitous bullshit compliments to people. I mean right. real love. Yeah. I think in life, if you show love to animals, to people, to children, to your clients, to your boss, whoever it is, to your family, everything changes. Everything. Completely. And agree. that's how I live my life. I completely agree. And as a side note, I don't want to now do the depression, mental health conversation a a disservice. But I feel like me and you could talk about that. Yeah. That could be a whole other topic. Depression, (laughs) we could do a whole episode on that because it just deserves more. But I completely agree. Mm. It's definitely something that helped me. I love it. Um, Someone that had never heard of you before Mm -hmm. or anything, they just stumbled across your podcast what would you hope would be their takeaway from listening to an embed with Bridget episode? I would hope they say they would say, "I'm not alone with my shit." It's as simple as that. I love it. Yeah, because I think part of the problem in life, the the stories we tell ourselves, is that we are the only person suffering with this, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do the podcast. Yeah, is that people didn't feel alone with their stuff. Completely agree. 
Right, Bridget, where mm. can everyone find you and everything? Um, I'm a bit of a social media whore. Um, <laughs> I'm shit at Twitter, even though I'm on there. Yeah, I'm the same. Don't I, I Yeah, forget Twitter. I have my own Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash in bed with Bridget. I'm on Instagram, which is my favourite, and I'm under Mrs. Bridget Hunt. Perfect. On Instagram. Awesome. Right, the final four. Yep. These are... The four questions everyone answers. Okay. They're the slightly deeper philosophical ones, but I mean, ours was it was always naturally going to go there anyway. Yep. So I don't feel like I've, I've put you under too much pressure. No, you haven't. <laughs> um, first, what's one thing that you're proud of? I would say watching kids come into my shop and eat my ice cream and say that it's the best thing they've ever eaten. Because kids are always honest. Oh, I feel a bit choked up now. Yeah, I love it. Kids are so brutally honest. And so when they really love something, they really love it. And that really does make me happy. Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. Um, If you could give my audience one piece of life advice, what would it be? Um, Whatever you do it, whatever you do in life, do it with passion, confidence and consistency. There's no other way. Completely agree. In your opinion, what's the meaning of life? Do you know, this was the hardest one. When you sent me these questions... I really struggled with this one. Um, And actually, I struggled with it so much that I spent about two hours thinking about it. And I've now written it down as my screensaver on my laptop. Wow. Yes. Because I'm not a religious person. So I don't I'm not I don't have a religion. Um, So this is what I wrote down and I'm going to read it out to you. Please. It's the period between birth and death when through breath, food, water and learning, you can be whoever you want to be. Oh, my God. That is so amazing. (laughs) I love that. I really do. But it, I really had to think about it. I really, it took me a few hours. I mean, I'm sorry, I only wrote one sentence, guys. But, no, but I had to really think about it because whenever someone asks you that question, there's always usually a religious connotation to it. And so I had to take myself out of that religious thing and think, well, what is it to me? Yeah, and that's what I came up with. That's the beauty in asking that person that question. It can go, it, these questions are designed to go in so many different ways. Yeah. And that it's was, a great question. And that's wildly profound. <laughs> and it's, I'm loving that answer. And now I've got to read um, okay. for the last question. Many years into the future, your time as Bridget Hunt is coming to an end. The person closest to you can only describe you and your life in one sentence. What would you hope that would be? You ready? She made 50,000 kilos of ice cream and didn't eat any of it, the skinny bitch. <laughs> That is so perfect. It's so That's me. the most Bridget it's thing so I've me. ever heard as well. Oh, God. Bridget, thank you so much for your time. I um, loved it. We could have talked for hours. I mean, how oh, long yeah. have we been recording for? Um, <laughs> God knows. I'll find out afterwards, but it's definitely, it's topped an hour, over an hour. I loved it. Oh, yeah, and I did too. And once again, if we can make the time work, there's so many more questions. I wish you nothing but the best with In Bed with Bridget and everything you've got going on because you're a busy lady. <laughs> even outside, even the ice cream selling would have been busy enough. But yeah, I wish you nothing but the best and I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you, darling. You are so welcome. Goodbye, listeners. Bye-bye. <laughs>